Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to How to Talk to Mommy and Papi about anything. Hola! To new listeners, I'm Juleika Lantigua Williams. This week, we're tackling one of the hardest things we talk to our parents about racism. But let's start by honoring our dead George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Andres Guardado, Aura Rosser, Antonio Zambrano Montes, Batam Jean, Janisha Funville. Carlos Adrián Ingram López, Akai Gurley, Eric Salgado, Sean Monterrosa, Gabriela Nevarez. 26 million people so far have protested around the clock for months. In this episode, we're bringing the conversation home with Estefania, who tries talking with her Puerto Rican dad about race and racism in the context of their own lives. Let's get into it. I'm Estefania, and I'm from Los Angeles, California. And in my house, we called my parents mommy and papi. Um, growing up, my dad and I had a really, I was like a daddy's girl, you know, um, really close bond. Um, I think over the recent years, as we've gone older, it's been a little bit more strained, um, specifically with politics, but there's still a lot of love. I'm Latina. My whole family's Latina. I'm mixed with uh, half Colombian, half Puerto Rican. And my dad identifies as Puerto Rican. Like if I had to pick a box, I know like technically we're white, but I don't like to say that. So uh, my father would identify as white if he had to check a box. There was a, you know, like a school project that we had to do, like a family tree. Probably was like in second grade. And we had a conversation about, you know, where we came from. And considering that we're light skinned, my mom's a little darker than than my dad um, and myself. And so I remember one time my mom was like, oh, no, I'm black. And then my dad was like, no, you're not. And so it just we had this like frank conversation about, OK, what does it mean to be white? What does it mean to be black? And um, I became more aware of it. Because my mom, I think she was just kind of comparing colors. I mean, I wouldn't say she's like dark skin, but she's definitely like mas, like morena, you know, like trienya. Um, I mean, she was like, well, I'm not white. So <laughs> my dad, I think he was being more like black or white. You're either one or the other. Um, having my dad be Puerto Rican and having discussions about, you know, race and politics. It's been really interesting because when I point out my dad's privilege in being Puerto Rican and that, you know, he didn't have to go through a naturalization process like my mom did, for example, his stance was more, well, I'm not privileged. I worked hard to get where I'm at. And so I think his mentality is very much the whole like American dream, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Um, it's really disheartening when I hear my dad say like, well, they have to do it the right way. And then when I, you know, bring up, you know, why there might be barriers for that, he's just like, well, that's really unfortunate, but we can't save everybody. My dad has definitely experienced being otherized. And we've had conversation about, you know, have you, have you felt discriminated? When I bring it up to him, he'll say like, well, yeah, I definitely feel like I've been stopped by a cop, 
because of, you know, being Latino or something like that. But when I'm get pulled over, I, you know, I do what I'm told. I try not to instigate. And I'm like, well, yeah, but there's still differences there. You know, you're light skinned. You know, there's just a difference. My dad does have a sense that uh, the other people have different experiences for sure. Um, however, I think it's hard for him to to understand that systems can have problems. Like his background is being in the military. So he comes, you know, very organized. He understands systems. But I think for him to, to question systems is hard. I love my dad and I know he loves me. Um, and he still thinks, you know, we can we can agree to disagree. But I also think that to an extent, especially with everything that's going on, um, there's a difference between politics and humanity. And I feel that he has raised me to be the person that I am today. And because of him, I, you know, I am I'm a social worker because he has taught me, you know, to care for others and empathy. And so for him to, to have trouble then engaging in that at this point in, in our lives, I, I find it really hard. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm disappointed and I, it, it makes it hard to talk about what's going on. So in a sense, I feel like our, our relationship becomes a little superficial. If my dad was on the line right now and I could tell him something for him to hear me, I would tell my dad, I would hope that we can one day um, engage in fruitful conversations where we can not just share opinions of what we've seen on the media and on the news, but really allow each other to share the research and the information that we both have gathered and to be open, not just being on defense the whole time um, so that our relationship can grow and be more deeper than how it's been this, to this day. I've been there. Stefania seems to have an uphill climb when it comes to helping her dad see things differently. I really get that. But how can we have more fruitful conversations about race and racism with our loved ones? Is it even possible to have these conversations in a way that doesn't damage our relationships? There are so many questions in between those two. So, of course, I called an expert. My name is Lucy Saku. I am a social justice doula, which means I accompany organizations and individuals on their journey to operationalizing their anti-racism. I am also a social worker and I am a third year doctoral student at the University of British Columbia at the Social Justice Institute, where I study gender, race, sexuality, and social justice. So you heard Estefania's testimony about her dad. What do you hear when you listen to it? So one of the major things I heard with Estefania and her father is says that a conflation that Latinx and race are not the same thing. Latinx is an mm -hmm. ethnicity. It is not a race. And so that's always going to be a problem. And, and so this is why uh, a term like intersectionality matters, right? Because intersectionality teaches us that race, race is always attached to class, always attached to gender, always attached to citizenship and ability and those kind of things. So what would it look like for Estefania to, to honor the fact that her father is a victim of xenophobia And he also profits from the fact that he is not red as black and he is not black in the United States of America. Mm. Like both of those so, things can be true. 
Right, right. So I was actually really interested because in her own household, her mom spoke up and said, no, wait, I'm black. I Uh see myself as black. And then there was an immediate denial. And I thought, okay, that's a place where we need to do some digging. Right. And this is something, especially for Puerto Ricans, is a is a tricky one, because, again, we know that in, um, Puerto Ricans are definitely um, are made up of colonizers, indigenous people and black people. However, right now, in this present moment, race is made up in relation and context. Racially, how do you identify? Racially, how do you see yourself? And racially, how did you raise your children? So it's very Mm -hmm. clear that these people are partnered, but they never really had a conversation about race because one person is really clear that they are not white and the partner Mm -hmm. is really clear that that's not the case for them. So broadly speaking, a lot of people have historically minimized racial identity to phenotype. What do you Mm -hmm. look like on the outside? And I think, thankfully, we're getting away from that and understanding that phenotype is part of it sometimes and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's simply not. So how does someone like Stefania, who is younger, who is, you know, has grown up in a place where there's a lot more nuance about this and a lot more knowledge about this, how can she explain that small part of it that says that it's not just what you look like? Yeah, it's not just what you look like, it's how the world responds to you. So we make race in conversation in relation to to each other. And so um, so this is very similar to to black immigrants. Anti-blackness in this country tends to be more directed to anti-black American sentiments. So that's something that all immigrants have to learn and undo, even black immigrants. So there's this way that black immigrants... Um, because of how racism works in this country, we want to move away and be like, I'm black, but I'm not black like those people. Mm. So with that said, how can Latinx people um, understand that? Yes, no one um, one is asking you to deny your nationality or your ethnicity. But what I want my Latinx folks who are white to understand, there's nothing inherently bad or evil about being white. Because remember in in the beginning, as Stephanie said, technically I'm white, but I don't like to say that. Mm -hmm. That is going to permeate her conversation with her father until she gets clear on who she is. There is nothing inherently wrong about being white. There is nothing inherently righteous about being black. Like we are people um, and our, our value and our worth is not predicated and should not be predicated on our skin, um, 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 our skin. That's the whole point of Black Lives Matter. That's the whole point of it. If you miss that, you miss everything. The problem in this country is white supremacy and how whiteness gets interpreted in white supremacy. The problem is not the skin. So it's okay for Latinx people to to hold their whiteness and celebrate backstroke and flourish and thrive in the fact that they have a nationality and ethnicity. Never let that go. So one of the things, uh, one of the examples that Estefania gave us, because I asked her, you know, has your father ever felt that who he is, what he looks like, was a reason for him, you know, being treated differently? And the example that she gave me is a classic being, you know, driving while brown. And that to me is such a good example of how it's 
when we're dealing, for example, with something like, you know, widespread police brutality and Mm -hmm. racial profiling, it's not about the individual. Right. And so what Estefania would need to do is really tease out like racism under it operates on four different levels, internal, internalized racism, um, interpersonal racism, institutional racism and systemic racism. And so mm-hmm. if if we keep making it seem like racism is about a question of good or bad people, then we're never going to see the racism within institutions. We're not going to see it in policing. You're not going to see it in prisons. So bringing it back to this conversation between Stefania and her dad, how can she utilize this data, this information that we now have as evidence to make the case to get him to at least understand that it does matter? The the beautiful thing that it would that it would be great if a Stephania can herself struggle with and be in principle struggle with her father is if we can if we can all do a better job at understanding in one body I can both experience power unearned power which is that's what privilege is I didn't do anything and I just so happen to be white I just so happen to be able body I just so happen mm. to be heterosexual mm-hmm. and in that same body I can also have parts of my identity where I do experience oppression, where I do experience discrimination. Because the more I understand who am I and my complications, I am better able to understand and read other people and their complications. When I talked to Estefania, there was definitely some frustration on her part that they've had to rehash this conversation over and over. So at what point... Do you just give up and keep living your life and understand that you're not going to change someone's mind? Well, when we're talking about our family members and people that we love, we have to think about it on a spectrum. On the far right spectrum is, okay. my parent is um, a neo-Nazi and is um, supporting (laughs) like the annihilation of people. Right. And then there's like my parent just can't understand how race um, and class and all those things interact. So in those kind of situations, I would recommend people take a real hard look. What's at stake here? What is the level of the problem? And then I would actually ask ourselves, have we done the work in this relationship that makes it possible for us to have these kind of hard conversations? Because there's this assumption because we are related to people that some we sometimes overinflate the level of intimacy we have with each other and it mm. overinflates what we can actually talk about because we understand mm. for a lot of us within our family there's a lot of regular mundane conversations we can't even have we have to be in deep relationship with each other and we have to create the conditions inside of our relationship that allows for radical truth telling for deep listening and for us to lovingly push back um, on one and another if the overall job of Estefania is like Black Lives Matter and I want to be in solidarity with Black liberation struggle in this the United States of America, she has to be more strategic about what does that look like? What's my strategy with my family? What's my strategy mm. on the Internet? What's my strategy with people at work? And what's my strategy at the at the supermarket? Because it can't be a one size fits all strategy. And it's totally OK as adult children for us to practice having boundaries. And if we know there are certain topics where our parents cannot be moved, we have every right to say, look, in my house, these people's humanity is not up for debate. I love you. I want to continue to be in relationship with you. So 
at this moment, it looks like we're at an impasse. Let's revisit it. And when we both have different tools and strategies and can be in this conversation in a way that is in service to our love and our relationship. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question is, are there any online or elsewhere resources that we can point people to where they can you know, become familiar with some of the terminology that you've used, some of the definitions that you've provided today, and just do deeper learning about how to have these conversations. Yes, for sure. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw, which is the Black woman legal scholar who coined who coined the phrase intersectionality, has a wonderful podcast called Intersectionality Matters. She has a TED Talk that is both on TED.com and on YouTube where she talks about intersectionality. Um, Mijente, um, Rosa Clemente, those are mm-hmm. Afro-Latinx people who are having conversations about how Latinx folks need to have a record and a better understanding of Blackness and those kind of things. So look out for Mejente, Rosa Clemente, read her work. Um, But I would really recommend um, starting with those three places. All right, let's recap what we learned from Lutzi. Mind the distinctions. Race and ethnicity are different things, but the terms are often conflated. When having conversations about race and ethnicity, make sure everyone is clear on what each means. Look in the mirror. Reflect on your own experience and get clear on your identity. The better you understand yourself and your complications, the better you'll be at understanding and engaging with other people. Use intersectionality as a tool. Race plays out differently in different contexts and is impacted by ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, class, and other identities. Assess your relationship. Be honest. Is there enough intimacy, trust, and mutual respect in your relationship with your parents or your relative? Can it really handle an open and honest conversation about race and racism? If the answer is no, first work on deepening the relationship so you both can be vulnerable and courageous when talking about race. Focus on the real problem. Remember, the problem is not being white. The problem is white supremacy. There is nothing inherently good or bad about people based on what they look like. And remember, have different strategies. There are no templates on how to have a conversation about race. So be flexible and be prepared to change strategies as you are moving through the conversation. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much for listening. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williams & Co. Virginia Lora produced this episode. Kojin Tashiro mixed it. Micaela Rodriguez is our audio producer. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. And please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please, please leave a review. We really, really, really read those. Bye, everybody. Same place next week.